Social and emotional skills come fairly easily for neurotypical individuals, but for those with a diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder, this may be some of the most challenging skills to learn. Thankfully, there's a lot of experience amongst educators on techniques to help individuals with ASD become more social. You're listening to ReachMD. I'm Paul Rakuski, your host. And with me today is Jill Kuzma, a speech-language pathologist. Welcome, Jill. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, we're glad to have you on the program today. If you could, give us a little bit of your professional background for our listeners. Sure. I am a speech-language pathologist, and I am practicing in the schools. I'm in an elementary school setting in a suburb of Minneapolis, and I've been a speech pathologist for about 17 years. And my area of focus is working with elementary learners on the autism spectrum, both for speech and language skills, but most prominently for teaching them social-emotional skills. So I know one of the things that you talk about quite a lot is social cognition. Could you tell us what that is? Well, social cognition is essentially kind of a thinking process. It's a type of intelligence, so to speak. Social cognition is the way that we're able to think about other people's perspectives, other people's feelings. It's kind of a wired neurological process where we can think about perspectives of other people in social situations and then adjust our own behavior accordingly so we have positive social interactions with people. It's kind of the precursor to social skills. Social skills is kind of an observable social behavior, like turn-taking or entering a conversation or asking another child to play. Social cognition is kind of the thinking that goes into social skills, and primarily it relates to understanding other people's perspectives. So that is quite a big piece uh, of the puzzle when it comes to individuals with autism is having the social cognition. Absolutely, absolutely, because one of the foundational neurological differences for individuals on the spectrum is uh, differences in theory of mind. And we have theories about other people's minds, and that's essentially kind of a fancy term for perspective taking. And for individuals on the autism spectrum, they have difficulty understanding what other people's thoughts and feelings and viewpoints and what set of background knowledge another person might have. Difficulty understanding that, it makes social interaction very, very difficult and awkward and uncomfortable for individuals on the spectrum. So how can social cognitive deficits impact children? Well, and my background is kind of with elementary age learners too, it impacts kids certainly in the social realm in making kind of natural friendships and making social inferences about kind of unwritten social rules in the school setting. There are more unwritten social rules, certainly, as kids move into middle and high school. But a lot of times, peers just learn kind of the social world just by existing in it. And they learn skills just in on these unwritten rules just kind of by osmosis. But kids on the spectrum, with some differences in perspective-taking ability, they don't necessarily learn these social skills and these unwritten rules just by observation and just by existing in social situations. So they need a lot of direct instruction in social skills. But weak social cognition also impacts kids academically in many, many ways. In order to comprehend what you're reading, especially as kids move into early chapter books and move to more complex pieces of fiction, inferencing when you're reading 
requires perspective taking. You have to take the perspective of multiple characters in the story. Certainly, weak social cognition impacts written language because in order to write a piece, you have to think about who is your audience, what's the perspective of your audience. You have to think about what background knowledge might your reader have on the topic you're writing about. And so there are a lot of academic difficulties, especially in literacy. And finally, in kind of today's educational world, a lot of learning and instruction is done in a group kind of collaborative format. So there's a lot more group work with kids. There's a lot more partner work with kids. And kind of gone are the days where kids sit down with their workbooks and peel through a page of their workbook or kind of their basal readers. It's all very constructivist, kind of collaborative learning. And that can be really, really difficult for kids on the spectrum when they have weak social cognition. How about when it comes to impact on their emotional control? Yes, that's another impact, emotional control. A lot of times kids on the spectrum feel feelings in a very pronounced, big way. And so if they're feeling happy or sad or angry, it's the extreme amount of that feeling. And it can be really difficult for them to kind of read their own internal signs that a feeling is changing or that a feeling is starting to emerge. And so what happens is peers and other people in the child's environment, what they witness is a a big display of an emotion. It could be extreme giddiness and excitement and happiness in a time that kind of seems inappropriate or a degree that seems inappropriate, or it could be extreme anger that seems out of the blue, what you know many families might think of as kind of a meltdown. And because of kind of their lack of internal self-monitoring, as well as their difficulty understanding how others perceive them, this big display of emotion turns out to be socially awkward and uncomfortable for peers and and those around them that are witnessing that. If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm your host, Paul Rakuski, and I'm speaking with Jill Kuzma. We're talking about teaching social and emotional skills to individuals with autism spectrum disorder. So we were just talking about some of the deficits that impact children. What resources are available to teach social perspective and tacking skills? Well, probably the uh, pioneer, um, especially in the field of speech-language pathologies, the pioneer of looking at social cognition um, is a speech-language pathologist on the West Coast named Michelle Garcia Winner, and her website is a fabulous, fabulous resource for information and resources for both families and uh, practitioners and teachers. It's www.socialthinking.com. And she's really paved the way for helping educators and families and other professionals think about kind of this cognitive way of looking at social skills. There are so many fabulous resources on the Internet to look at social cognition and perspective taking. And teachers are such creative individuals and have come up with so many ideas on Pinterest and in curriculums and other kind of published works to teach perspective-taking skills, and especially weaving this into literacy instruction in the school setting for kids. So much of education now is related to Common Core learning standards and state-based learning standards, 
And it's important for educators to think about how they can weave social cognitive kind of instructional practices into literacy instruction to help understand character, character development, perspectives of characters. And so the Michelle Garcia winner is a fabulous kind of starting point as a researcher to learn about social cognition. But there's so many resources on the web just created by teachers out there, free resources for teachers and families. We also hear a lot spoken about individuals with autism spectrum disorder having little to no filter. What techniques do you employ to assist with the social skill? Right, right. This concept of social filter is uh, certainly a concept that I start to introduce to my students right about third or fourth grade. As students reach about nine or ten years of age, they're moving into a little bit of a different stage of cognitive development. And they're able to think about thinking in a little bit different way. And so there are, when I'm working with kids on the spectrum, especially about social skills, I need to follow the tenets of being very visual and very concrete. And so I use the concept of a thinking bubble and talking bubble to help the kids on the spectrum understand that some things need to stay in your thinking bubble. And initially, when you have a thought about another person, that thought kind of originates in a thinking bubble. And all people have thoughts that may be positive, negative, neutral. And so when that thinking bubble comes up, the next step is to run that thought through kind of this metaphorical social filter. And I use all kinds of concrete strategies to help kids understand a filter, explaining different types of filters in our world, like computer filters and uh, coffee filters or furnace filters. And the purpose of all of these filters is essentially, to really kind of boil it down to a concrete explanation, is to let the helpful stuff through and trap the harmful, hurtful stuff. So if you have a thought in your thinking bubble that might be potentially hurtful to another person, your social filter does the job of trapping that. And then what comes out in your talking bubble is then modified. And so kids on the spectrum often have difficulty understanding that this use of a social filter is something that other peers naturally do. And so oftentimes the child on the spectrum is confused as to why people might be laughing at them, why people might think they're being rude, why people might think they are being uh, appearing belligerent, and it's a matter of the thought or the idea did not go through that social filter process. And so being very visual and concrete, talking about real-life filters, using pictures of thinking and talking bubbles, really helps kids understand that your thought and idea needs to go through this filtering process before it falls out of your mouth into a talking bubble. So one of the things I've personally seen quite a lot of is that many individuals with autism have challenges distinguishing between big and little problems. How do you work with these individuals to help them have a better understanding of this? Well, many individuals on the spectrum, as I was talking earlier about emotions, they feel emotions at a very kind of big, intense level. This is related to this, to the concept of not understanding kind of a gradation of a problem. Many times individuals on the spectrum react to their world right in the moment and have maybe kind of a, a very large emotional reaction to what 
other people would deem as a very small or minor problem or just a glitch. And so helping, because individuals on the spectrum are, are often very kind of black and white and literal or concrete, helping them understand there are gradations of a problem. There could be, and I use uh, simply the, the five-point scale by uh, Carrie Dunbaron and Mitzi Curtis. And the five-point scale is essentially just that, a five points indicating the gradation of something. And so a size one problem may be just kind of a glitch, something that a child could solve on their own, all the way up to a size five problem, which is a problem that lasts for a very long time, takes a lot of people to kind of solve this problem. And I use visual with five-point scale, and I teach what kind of definitions of a size one problem might be versus a size three versus a size five problem. And I try to define the size of the problems in a very concrete, logical, objective way. And I usually ask the following questions. I'll say, how long does the problem last? How many people does it take to solve the problem? What kind of injury or damage is involved because of the problem? And so I'll simply help the child be able to understand kind of the answers to these objective questions and what a size one versus a size five might look like. And then we talk about your reaction to the problem should match the size of the problem. And if there's a mismatch, then other people in the world think that is odd or awkward. So if there's a size one problem, such as a child didn't get to be yellow in playing a game, and they have a, a kind of a perseverative interest in yellow, and they have this huge emotional reaction. Most people would deem not getting the color you want as a size one problem. Therefore, it would warrant a size one reaction, which might just be uh, a sigh and just maybe a small grumble and then move on. But when kids on the spectrum might have a big size five reaction to a size one problem, that's when the perspectives of other people become negative. And so helping kids understand in a very kind of concrete, logical manner by using this five-point scale, by very kind of logically defining emotions on this gradation scale, logically defining problems on this gradation scale, it really helps them understand how they can match their emotional reactions to the size of the problem. Well, Jill, thank you very much for joining us today. Absolutely. This was wonderful talking to you. So my thanks again to my guest, Jill Kuzma, a speech-language pathologist. We've been discussing autism spectrum disorder. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring podcasts of this and other series. I've been your host, Paul Rakuski, and thank you for listening.